on maynard.com.au. Welcome, listener, to the heart of Oxford Street, Darlinghurst. I'm just around the corner from Mr. Lance Leopard's abode. Lance, of course, was a legendary gossip columnist on the Capital Q and Star Observer. During the 90s, his column was a must-read if you wanted to know vaguely who was doing who and what was doing what, when, hair and how often and who had the best makeup and who didn't and who fought with who backstage. Lance will explain all that. We'll go into Lance's earlier history in Brisbane. We'll talk about his musical career. Let's go find Lance. here with Lance Leppard. Let me tell you, his lounge room is as fabulous as you would expect. There's wonderful 50s artwork on the wall. I'm just trying to set the scene for the people, Lance. How would you describe your lounge room? It's a new lounge room. Because of the last home burning down, the new lounge room is full of beautiful pieces of furniture that have been given to me by dear and old friends. And it makes it a beautiful mix of different decades, but it does have a strong 50s John Waters feel to it. Perhaps. So maybe, you know, a touch of bewitched in there around the credenza. Can we expect Uncle Arthur to pop in shortly, can we? So where are the roses, sweetie? Ah, Uncle Arthur, get out of that thing before somebody sees you. Faster than a speeding bullet. I feel like Superman. Wow. I'm here with someone who has been a makeup artist, a make-out artist, a gossip artist. (laughs) Makeup was my bread and butter job. Make-out artist was really something that started out in motels and I worked my way up to hotels. More of a hobby. A talented amateur. I dabble. Lance Leopard, we're here in his, oh, shall we call it Palace of Dreams? What would be a good name for this? My ivory tower. Well, you certainly are looking down judging people, that's for sure. Well, let me tell you, when you live up in the air, which I've never done before, it's always incredibly cold and incredibly windy. You're looking great, and thank you for spending time with me today. There are many people on my list that I really want to talk to and have a record of, and you're one of them because not just back in the day, but whenever you are on the scene, you're on the scene. I was at Electronic the other Sunday, and you turned up, and people were going, that's Lance Leopard. That's Lance Leopard. They talk to me now. They used to just look at me and point. But now that we're all older now, and some of us don't look at um, now they come up and say hello and tell me their names and tell me about something in particular that I wrote that made them laugh. I usually say, want to dance? Front step, cha-cha-cha, reverse. Front step, cha-cha-cha, reverse. For the people who don't know, what would be the best way to describe where you were doing what during the 90s then? Because you wrote for Capital Q and Star Observer. For what years were you doing the columns there? Let's just say the 90s. They asked me to do it early in the 90s, and I wrote my last one in 1999. And I think the last sentence of it is, have I said too much? There's nothing more I can think of to say to you. And the great thing was, as a columnist, you never actually touched a typewriter or a computer keyboard, did you? I dictated. It's true. Sometimes via answering machine. If I hadn't known I was going to be a writer, how could I possibly have known how to type? You had the the terrible fire you mentioned. Have you lost most of what you wrote over your career in that fire? Most of what I wrote didn't really need to be saved. It was of the week. I'm proud to say I only made your column once or twice. That's because you had black hair. (laughs) So I, I didn't keep any of them, and they turn up in the most amazing places all the time. Someone I'm drawn on very heavily, and I must thank, is Cotton Ward, who has done some journalism for many years now, and one of the lines 
lines that she wrote about you is that when she went to England, she took one suitcase with her to England and all your columns with her. And whenever she's short or having writer's block, she thinks, what would Lance write? I'd have written Cotton, take a hat box. Just for you. It's not all about me, Cotton. She has archived some of yours, and there'll be a link to that in the show notes where you can read some of Lance's columns. There's a link to the short, the series of short films I started in when I stopped writing. What did you do immediately after you stopped your columnist work? Well, I got beaten up very badly and had to move back to Queensland and have a lot of things done to make that better. And I had brain damage, which was getting better consistently but it took a long time now i have a little short-term memory loss but i can still spell lana ava and rita and his tongue is as sharp as ever so be careful people even at two in the morning at the pleasure chest he'll he'll take you the pleasure chest it's still there i named one of my nights after the love machine and i used to be petrified that they'd turn up but they didn't To give an example of the way you write, I'll read the first paragraph of one of your columns and then you can read it because when you listen to me, I don't think I can capture can I the word. Please way. explain to your audience that I don't watch my old movies and I don't read my old columns. Well, this is from 1995 and it, the title is 1995, The Quest for Love Starts Here. Oh. Your regular column, Leopard Print, as it was at the time. I changed it to print from spot. I didn't like spot. So the leopard did change your spots? Literally, <laughs> from publication to publication. Winter's coming and that means it's getting chilly. That brilliant weather forecast aside, it also means that unless you're luxuriating in a costly queer marriage, you may be feeling the cruel pinch of loneliness and a lingering sense of, dare I whisper it, desperation. Now, could you read that as, mm-hmm. as you were intending it? Well, I wouldn't say something like that this many years later. But you learn so much as you go along. I don't think I was a terrible writer then, but I'm not bad now because I get right to the point. Winter's coming, and that means it's getting chilly. That brilliant weather forecast aside, it also means that you're either luxuriating in a costly queer marriage, or gee, I was psychic, or maybe feeling the cruel pinch of loneliness and a lingering sense of, dare I whisper it, desperation. Eek! Wasn't that better when Lance read it? When everybody read your columns, that's the voice they heard. But I always wanted in the short films my voice to be dubbed. By John Hurt. Imagine me saying the following. By Peter Lawford. I've drunk a lot of scotch. I even had one with the Duke of Wellington. Let's just go back for a moment to the Mega Men. All right, yeah. You were in a band, looks like a three-piece. Tell us about the Mega Men, and there'll be a link to you playing the Brisbane Telethon, which is fantastic, being introduced by Agro. It's great. Right behind me, one of the most dynamic bands out of Brisbane for a long, long time. We got the Mega Men with their brand new single, Designed for Living, out in two weeks in the stores. The Mega Men was a new romantic band that I was... Well, I was discovered in a nightclub because of the way I looked and asked if I'd like to be in this band. That's the Human League way of doing things. They had, they had to come up with an instrument for me to play. So I was lucky I got to play the electronic drums, the syn drums, like in that Rose Royce song. Boom, 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 boom. That was me. We were a Queensland band and we supported everybody who was having their national tour with their hit. So we'd support the reels. And deck chairs overboard. That's the way, that's the way. 
real life. A bunch of them. I was underage. Back then that was kind of okay. No one asked as much. We had to put my age up because I was working in huge clubs and being paid. So everybody in Brisbane thinks I'm 85. What was your view of the scene in Brisbane, particularly in the Valley in that area in the mid-80s? Brisbane is like Baltimore. It's one of those nutty little towns that just has its own thing. It was a little nutty town. You could get away with being as crazy as... And you could enjoy yourself. There was that police thing that everybody knows about now, the Fitzgerald. We were before that. I never had a lot of trouble personally. One journalist wrote that I moved to Sydney because of the police brutality and the oppression. And I rang her up and said, retract that. I moved to Sydney because I got kicked out of the band for bleaching my hair when I was 16. And I was a has-been. I put the Mega Men clip, I put that up of you doing Designed for Living. Well, Designed. Here's some of the comments. Glamorous. And Robin Hayes writes, World's most boring song, but don't they look fabulous? And those moves, I love it. The drummer is hilarious. Is he actually making a musical contribution? She asks. To which I replied, all drummers eventually get that question, and she's just being percussionist. Listen, honey, you talk to Karen Carpenter about female drummers, but male drummers get all the action and they have to play live because they are the beat. And Robin Hayes, may I point out that the drummer is the only member of the band that gets to see the entire rest of the band from behind. That's not so in my case. I was like a supreme. The synthesizer player and I kept edging our way forward and forward a little every week. Until you're eventually in a line across the front. Until I never actually saw one of our shows or the two other members of the band or what they did until the 2012 reunion tour. And it must have been exciting to be doing that different kind of thing in Brisbane. And when I say different, I mean potentially dangerous. Well, in the early 80s, everybody wanted to be a pop star and I was offered the opportunity, so I went for it, absolutely. Were you more Marilyn or Boy George? They didn't exist at the time. It was a year early for that. They came along about 18 months into it. I was just a teenage discovery. For some reason, I was popular. It turns out at the second reunion at the Powerhouse Museum in 2014, which you really should watch on YouTube, it's fantastic, I overheard my manager, Peter Brown, saying, I had to have a band. The Underground didn't have a band, which was the other club in Brisbane. Growing up in Queensland, by the time you jumped off the bus here, you were ready for anything. I guess a little bit like Newcastle, if you can sort of take it there, Sydney is a much more accepting place. Newcastle's probably a lot easier to get away with strife in. I went and saw Morrissey there last year, and that's all I can say. Hang on. Lance Leopard, Morrissey, Newcastle. I've never heard those three things in the same sentence before. I didn't say we were the only two people in the venue. But that would have been good. Even from you, were you just sitting there taking notes? What's your favourite Morrissey song? I have two. The last of the international Playboy. Last 
like I dreamt that somebody loved me. I like that song. Last night I dreamt that somebody loved me. No hope, no harm, just another false love. The first of the gang to die, is that the one where he gets his shirt ripped off? Did that happen at your concert? I thought he just ripped his shirt off in a, in a, in a sort of sex symbol frenzy. Where Hector was the first of the gang with a gun in his hand And the first to do time, the first of the gang to die such a silly boy. I saw him at the Opera House. He has a sacrificial shirt, I think. I've heard he has roadies sacked if he doesn't like the shirts they're wearing. And I think it was a burgundy shirt, too. I've touched his sleeve. I met a girl who had one of his sleeves immediately after the concert. It's back there on the uh, podcast if you want to listen to the Morrissey shirt incident. I wrote a note that said, I love you, Stephen, and rolled it up into a ball and threw it at him and it landed at his feet and he kicked it away. No, but at least I'm you... sure he loves me, too. But at least you've had an opportunity to be rejected by Morrissey. Most people don't even get that far. You've got a point. <laughs> Morrissey gets up to no good. He just doesn't carry on about it. And you know, he's quite happy living in LA with his next on over Nancy Sinatra. I wonder if he borrows her boots and her little stomping outfit every once in a while. No, no, he's a gentleman. He'd escort her while she wore that. Oh, that's true. Start walking. Lance, can you even vaguely get across the lifestyle you were living in the mid-90s there? Because you were just everywhere. You were at every show that was on. You were at every bar that seemed to be open late. How did you seem to remember all these names and things that were going on? Did you take notes or did you just go, oh, I must write about that? I can admit it now because I retired. I have a shocking memory for names. I'm good with faces. I've got a shocking, shocking memory for names and I go blank even though I know their name. So I always had a little chum standing next to me. If someone said, Lance, would immediately put his hand out and say, Hi, I'm Matthew. There are many Matthews. Everybody, get yourself a Matthew. Everyone needs a Matthew. I'd immediately know their name and say, Hi, I'm Lance. People coming up and saying, Do you remember me? And it is rather embarrassing when you don't. How do you get around that? I say, You don't look the same. And if they do look the same, I say, Yes, I do remember you look exactly the same. And if they say, Do you remember me? But they no longer have this like, outrageous hair they used to have, I, I look at their eyes and think, Don't. I try. I mean, some of them were in some rather untidy states when they met me. In fact, it may not have even been you they were meeting. It could have been Sexy Galaxy, for I fucking know. And speaking of some of the performers you've known over the years, who was your favourite performer to see in the 90s, your favourite drag performer? My favourite drag performer in the 90s was the fabulous Miss 3D, and I also had a partiality to Lady Bump because... Brenton and I desperately needed a new act for one of our parties at the Nevada, so we went talent hunting at the Flinders. And I said, that boy looks like Audrey Hepburn. And the next thing, he was Lady Bump, and he won lots of things and retired. Yeah, I liked watching him. What was the favourite venue you used to like going to to see the drag shows? Because just about all of them had good venues, some better than others. In fact, there was even the Albury where the stage was behind the bar. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a favourite venue because they were everywhere. I think if you had a favourite show, you went to that venue. What was one of your favourite shows, one that really you think, wow, they put a lot of effort into that one? I did like Cindy Pastel's Xanadont show. 
Xanadont. Xanadont with Portia and Kylie Adrian. It's a spectacular show. You saw so many. Anything Robin Lee could be bothered slithering out and uh, showing a silky shoulder to is fine by me. Julian Cleary has warned me on a number of interviews I've spoken with him. Don't believe a word he says. Not about you, but he, he says you have to be careful with your makeup around drag queens because they steal makeup. Is there any truth that generally that can happen? He seems to be very adamant that his makeup gets nicked by them. Well, maybe his makeup's more expensive than their makeup, and he should have learned his lesson then. Yep. His makeup is amazing. Who's that? Bob Down's makeup is amazing. <gasps> I was only noticing that the other I, day. I, I've never figured it out. I've never tried to. He's 17. I put up the 2006 Mardi Gras parade again in high definition, and I could see it much more clearly, and his makeup is spotless. <laughs> enjoyed watching Bob Dan and the rest of the Globos on Countdown. Oh, he does have a favourite song of mine. He sang Born Free the last time I saw him live. I liked that song when I was little. Born free As free as the wind blows This is live. As free as the grass grows Born free to follow your heart I've got him doing a recording of the David Bowie song Starman. That's pretty impressive. That I don't know about. There's a star in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us. Won't you wait to blow our minds? There's a star in the sky. He's told us not to blow it because he knows it's all we Looking at some great photos of Bob down here on Countdown. These are great stills you got. I just take them off the television. I'm sick of being photographed. I like taking them now. I like their logo, their Globo logo. That was the Globo logo they used for their live show, which people in Melbourne would have seen all over the place. And in Sydney, when they did the show at Kinsella's upstairs, when Kinsella's was a cabaret venue. And look Wasn't at he that. A doll? Wasn't he a living doll? Wow. He still is. Oh, he still is. And of course, that was his actual hair then. He didn't have to ever wear a wig. I just thought he bleached his hair now. Well, he probably does. That's probably exactly what happens now. He's always on the scene. He's a bit like he's, because he's certainly had a great cruise, even had a go at radio for a while. Mark, he's always had a real international career. He could be living in Edinburgh. I'd like to have him. I've always been very envious of Mark Trevorrow and Glenn Butcher, who was the lead singer of the Castanet Club, because of their brilliant vocal abilities. And both of them can slip from telling a joke, be it sophisticated, corny, or even a pun, into a song. And like any great cabaret performer, I think that's fantastic because I can't sing a note. Even you can sing a few notes, Lance. Like most of my jobs, I had to learn on the job. So if I didn't have to hire a guest star, or if I didn't have to hire a first DJ, I'd learn how to do those things. And luckily I had Glenn Osborne from the Castanet Club. Oh, yes, our keyboard player. And he would um, set my levels and everything, so everything would be in my key. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. Or you're just always dreadful, and no one will tell you. That was dreadful when I started. It's changed so much, and this is where we get into the cranky old curmudgeon old man bit here, where we go, it just oh. ain't what it used to be. Are you even thinking that, or are you thinking, well, things move on, and we were just there in the 90s, and that's that? I just think after how awful the 80s were for us, 
the 90s was a very glamorous decade for us and I hope that we enjoyed it because we deserved to. I certainly know I did. Yeah, absolutely. But I was very lucky I was treated nicely. If people are complaining that there's not a scene, they can go out and make one. Go out and do your own. Facebook. 21-year-olds, we need you. Well, they say we'll come to the next one. Well, the idea, people, is if you don't come to any of them, there won't be a next one. Maybe we've got to go to everyone, spend money on an outfit. Where was your place to get your clothing from in the 90s? You always were very stylishly dressed and you always had a great suit on, a flamboyant shirt. People tended to give me shirts. And when I moved back to Brisbane in 1990 because I got divorced and my heart was broken and I went home to mother... I joined a fashion label up there called Glamour Pussy, who made fantastic clothes. They were all very uh, luxe and glitzy, but you could wear them on stage or you could wear them to really good parties. More or less, I did a lot of makeup for them and they gave me a lot of clothes. Did you go to the Mardi Gras party this year? No, I did not go this year. I didn't realise it was going to sell out that quickly, even though people know they have a whole year to save up for it. However, um. I don't know if I should say this. Hang on, so you're a gossip columnist and you just said, I don't know if I should say this. You can say this, Lance. I'm not a gossip columnist anymore. I just feel that 78ers and living legends that people go to see and is part of their party experience should just always have been given comps. Once they'd earned them, 78ers shouldn't have to worry. It's their party. Kind of obvious, really, isn't it? Would you have had any makeup tips for Cher, perhaps, at all? Absolutely not. She got all of her makeup tips from Kevin O'Coin, <laughs> and she's fine. And what was your favourite Mardi Gras party you went to? Did you have a favourite one? I can't say I had a favourite one because they were always good back in the old days, but I had a favourite show. Which was? I think it was six in the morning, and it was all in matching pink lame and sequin versions of their individual outfits, the village people singing Can't Stop the Music with a pink glitter shower. And Felipe, the Indian, he's just stunning. I remember he was marching in the parade in 2000. They are great. It's a bit sad what's happened to them now with the original lead singer taking the name back off them. This always happens, and I'm sure it's happening with the Bay City Rollers at the moment. Which village people was really which village person and what year? I remember Randy was a cowboy, and that's all I know. I didn't mind Jeff the Cowboy, who took up in 81. Randy he was take over from Randy. He, he took over from Randy in 81, and he was with them until recently. They've still got three original members, but they have to call themselves the Kings of Disco now. Did he come up with the name and trademark it? Legally, they're allowed to be known formally yes, as... They, yeah, the Kings of Disco, formerly featuring, known as Village People. Featuring performers from, yeah. Yes. They can wriggle around it. Come out looking like the good guys because they yes. didn't try to stop the show. Well, the original lead singer did tour Australia recently and it, he was the only original member and it was apparently not as good as it should but have been. People don't really care if it's the original member or not. It's 2018. They, Can't Stop the Music came out when I was two. How could it be the same members? Have you ever spoken to anybody who saw them do their Can't Stop the Music show at the Horden Pavilion? I was standing with my dear friend at the time, Russell Westacott, and everything that needed to be expressed was expressed by us jumping up and down and him tearing at his wig and shrieking and me almost asphyxiating on pink glitter. And to me at that point, he looked like Randy the Cowboy. Village people, they are such a landmark. They should have just had Danny LaRue join, so having so many problems. (laughs) 
what would a regular Friday or Saturday night have been like for you in the 90s? Did you have a routine, all the places you went to? The first internet magazine was called Outbiz, and I had a column in there. And there was this thing at the end, like, five places you can see Lance this weekend. I think, oh, sheesh. All right, the Paris, 41. Oh, I don't know. McDonald's. <laughs> that little toilet next to the Oxford there, that downstairs toilet. Did they sell that, that men's toilet that's downstairs next to the Oxford in Taylor Square there? I've been down there. What's down there now? When Maz came home a few years ago for the Mardi Gras, she had an exhibition down there and it was a whole little... Now, that we're talking about Maz Images, the photographer who has all the photos of all of that and one day I hope to see there in an archive somewhere. She's put out a coffee table book, which you've got down there. It is fantastic. I hope you're in it, Lance. Well, if we go to uh, oh. Okay, this is the Maz Images Mardi Gras book. Showtime Chapter 4 is written by me. Well, yes, I was a writer. And there's also a photo in Maz's book here of Victoria Bitter and I hosting the drag bar, which was a fun job. That's page 97 in the Maz Images book, if you can get it. I think you could sneak into the house of Priscilla and try and shoplift it. (laughs) Chelsea was selling it for $35. Is it a double-edged sword being the 90s icon that you were and still are? Because people, when I was at Electronica Night, people were genuinely surprised and shocked to see you, as if you disappeared, I want to be alone, or something like that. Well, I had to. I wasn't well. And I I didn't want to do that publicly. I just Mm. wanted to get through it. I've been known since I was 14, and I thought, well, it would be nice to be no one for a while. Then I get dressed up and go to a party and it all starts again, Maynard. But it's like you're playing a character then, and then you can put the character side. No, the, no, 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 no. It's always the same. No. You are not shallow. We've had a bit of a conversation here about so many deep things while we've been here, while the microphone's been off, and that doesn't surprise me at all because you've always had a great depth to your character, and I think people have denied that a lot. Oh, he just does this flippity writing or he does this weird show. What's wrong with shallow? Oh, I was arguing the opposite point, but yes, what's wrong with shallow? You get to a certain... It's the point across quickly. <laughs> How old was I when I was writing those columns? 25 and 26 and things? I was shallow. Let's just look at one of them again. Oh, you see, it doesn't come back to haunt you, Maynard. There's nothing to be haunted here. That, that the... hairdo's come back to haunt you. <laughs> Here's the quote from Cotton. This is from Cotton Ward's website, and she wrote this in 2012, talking about you. She said, when she finally met you, you said you liked ABBA, and she found you charming. She says that he has been my most significant muse in my life. What I liked most about his columns were the quality of lightness. He was never nasty. He just wrote in a gentle, teasing manner. He wrote them all in 45 minutes right before deadline. Is that the key to writing? I hadn't planned on being one. And there was always something to chat about. I had a special deadline because I was allowed to have the weekend because things happened on the weekend to report on. There's the first paragraph of one of your columns here, which I have to read. There's no year marked. That barrel called hairdo would be sort of mid-90s. The column's titled, Oh Leopard, It's Just You. What goes, that It starts off, Oh yes, I've heard that line on the other end of the phone when ringing a pal for a chat. And it's rude, isn't it? Who, I'd like to know, was this pal expecting? The Queen of Sheba? Warren Beatty? The Aga Khan, perhaps? Pity them. All they got was plain old me, dreary old Lance. Sorry to take the music out of the air with my predictable call. Just put me on hold if Liz Taylor should call you out of the blue. I'm trying to figure out who said, oh, Leopard, it's just you. 
It sounds very much like Lolita 2000, that's all I'm saying. I like being just you now. It's telephone etiquette. Because it's 95, there's nothing about voicemail. There's a vague thing about answering machines. If you think about synonyms, social media is a synonym for gossip columnist. It's social and it's in the media. Woman's Weekly when I was little, what people are wearing overseas. That was social media. And you finished off your telephone etiquette advice with a final tip for your answering machine message, which does date it a bit. Give it a truly original flair, and may I suggest for the background music, the haunting theme music from Coronation Street. Oh. That's just mean of me. Now I know why people thought I was a bitch. You must understand I was always racing a deadline on my way to Gilligan's. Gilligan's, the Oxford smash, was always a great that thing. the one that had the little melon balls in it? Yes, had the little melon balls in it, and it had five different liqueurs and a champagne. And if you had two of them, fine. Who was it, the silent film star that said, was it Tallulah Bankhead that said, beware the third martini? Oh, I'm not sure which one actually said it, but they should all have taken her advice. <laughs> it was definitely beware the second Oxford smash. Oh, look, and there you are. This headline is... Leopard etiquette. My favourite was when I moved to the Star Observer. Nikki Bryson actually asked me to specifically ask you about your last column for one of the ones and your first columns for Capital Q. And what happened there? What was the story? Well, Dot tried to headhunt me for ages and ages and ages. But for Paul, Capital Q. Paul had discovered me. I'm always being discovered. Then finally, I agreed to their terms because their terms were very good for a writer then. I also went because Maz was their photographer. Maz was just everywhere then, and And she was so lovely. She never drank or imbibed at these parties, so she was always sober. In fact, Maz was able to tell me she could tell what drug someone was on by the colour of their skin. Their skin colour would change because she was always sober at many parties. She could tell by the colour of someone's skin, whether it was an E, whether it was Coke, whether it was something stronger, whether they were stoned. She sounds like John DeLorean. (laughs) Someone's What are we talking about? Oh, yes, yes. Mm. The story that Nikki wanted to use. Okay, well, remember... um, Capital Q came out on a Thursday and The Observer came out on Friday. I just finished my column halfway through a sentence in Q and continued that sentence in the other one the next day, even though I was on the cover of it. (laughs) Would this cause some scandal with the old paper? But you end up going back to them, didn't you? Yeah. You don't really always burn your bridges, do you? Well, you know, you can always be a box office success again. I've highlighted some bits there from this column. I don't really remember these columns. You would have wrote hundreds. Oh, zillions. I liked it when they all got glossy and people had to buy them. I did make more of an effort then. The Turner Films told me I'm not allowed to talk about religion, politics or my age. The one time I made your column. Oh, Cast your mind that? back to... People used to bribe me to be in it. Why didn't you just do that? I, I didn't think of that. Well, this kind of was a bribe. There was you, myself, at the VIP bar upstairs at Mardi Gras. We were upstairs in the VIP room and there was just you, the bar person, me. You happened to look down to discover a Ziploc bag that was on the floor. Uh An errant Ziploc bag that had been dropped on the floor and it had some perhaps capsules, perhaps tablets, I can't remember. And I was right in the middle of the sentence. I'm not sure. I I did used to be the Panadol boy on television. Perhaps they were Panadol. And I was right in the middle of the sentence. I can't imagine what else it could have been. I was saying, I'm not sure we should take. And as I got to the A in take, you threw it into my mouth. And then we went down and they played the 12-inch of, I think, Never Can Say Goodbye, the Communards. 
that's probably one of the best times I've ever had dancing in my life, and I'm glad you were involved, and thank you for sharing it with me. Well, I'm used to dancing with guys, but I guess you're not. You know how to throw a good party, Maynard. And you mentioned that in your column, but the thing you mentioned in your column, which I found hilarious, was apologising for later that Sunday being upstairs at Gilligan's with a nosebleed, and you assured all the readers... I do suffer from nosebleed. You Ask Marsha you, you assured the reading audience the nosebleed was due to the altitude change of you going up to the first floor at Gilligan's. No, it was more of the altitude change um, after I'd finished doing my hair. It certainly read well. And the way you were able to edit your behaviour to be put down on print, it just made you sound like you were leading an even more exciting life than you actually were. I used to make it sound duller. For legal reasons? No, because of my respect for my readers. You didn't want to sully their eyes. Also another one, a great Lance moment too, is I saw you upstairs at Stonewall one night uh, doing a performance and one of the, the numbers you used to be, it was a signature tune of yours, is you would play the B-side of one of Kylie Minogue's singles uh-huh. and you would talk along to it, no, almost I, like a gay Shatner. Explain this for the listener in case they want to try this at home themselves. All right, if you turn a Stockhake and Waterman single over to the B-side, they're always instrumental. And if you turn it down from 45 to 33, they're very slow. And you can do Nick Cave versions of all of her greatest hits. And what was the favourite one you used to with Kylie? Not to be certain. And why is that? Because it worked. Could you just drop a couple of lyrics in now and I'll put that in over the music. I've got some friends who say... That boys are always saying They're only looking out for just one thing I'm only hoping that You won't turn out like that That's enough, I have to protect my voice (laughs) So I can gossip with my mother this afternoon Has it taken you back to being a young boy again Having your mother staying with you? We spent a lot of time together I remember my manners and tried to teach her some. And she went to a private school. I was a beauty school dropout, really. In the band and go to school at the same time. (laughs) Given a choice at that age in the early 80s, and look, you get a better education being in a band anyway. This is true. You love the movies. You love the classic movies. If you could have been in any movie, what would you have liked to have been in? My friend Nicholas Eady and I used to argue over it all the time at parties. Norman Maine in A Star Is Born, the alcoholic star. (laughs) And now I think I'll... um... Have a little drink. I shall get very drunk indeed. I believe Bradley Cooper's just remade it with Lady Gaga and directed it and is playing Norman Maine. So Nicholas and I can just hang up our hats. And there was Chris Christopherson in the 70s version? That's the version I haven't seen. I like Chris Christopherson, though. (laughs) I saw Convoy last year. I'm citing you for 11 miles over the speed limit and reckless driving. That gal in the XKE doesn't have any pants on, man. I took a look down and bingo, there it was. Oh, okie-dokie. I'm so happy they're there. Bye-bye, darling. Did you get your love of classic movies from your mum? No, not really. I got it from... Bill Collins. Well, he was Saturday night at the movies, but in Brisbane about two years before I was, well, not old enough to go out, but tall enough to go out, Channel 9 on Saturday night started playing all-night movies. 
which is a great loss now. I think they only showed Paramount movies, though, because all I ever saw was the Marx Brothers, May West and Marlene Dietrich film. <laughs> be the same three films. Uh, that time of night, it wouldn't matter. But now it's those stupid infomercials that go all night, and they used to have great crappy movies, and it's how people would get introduced to crappy movies. They just happened to be on at two in the morning. You'd come home wasted and love it. I used to show movies. Stephen Devine and I used to show movies together at the Encore Cinema in Devonshire Street until we were forced to stop doing that because the fans of those film stars are insane. We'd show a double feature, say a Joan Crawford film and a Betty Davis film. You be the judge on the invitation and no fighting in foyer. It was all getting out of control. I'd like to do some writing in my future writing about movies, not like educating people about movies, but just referring to them and then basically saying, look it up, which you can do now. What about everybody having to have an opinion now and everyone to be intensely ready to argue? In fact, let's go into the identity politics minefield now and we might step on a a mine. It might pop up in the air and shower us with PC ball bearings if we say the wrong thing. I don't care. I knew you would not care. I dropped out of high school. I don't know how to say the right thing. Is there an actual schism between the trans community and drag artists. Is there an actual schism there or is that something that's been manufactured by people for their own political use? I think people should appear on stage if they're good at it, regardless of their sexuality or their hair colour or the size of their knockers. If they're good on stage, they should be on stage. If they're not, they shouldn't be. And someone should tell them. Why don't you just start actively insulting people? What the hell? Well, as he said, everybody has an opinion now, and I just felt it was a lot easier when people minded their own business and went on about their own business. Everyone has an opinion now because they can have one, but they don't all have a good opinion. Therefore, it doesn't mean anything. If it's a lousy opinion, who needed to hear it? What did RuPaul say? What people say behind your back is none of your business. What would you like to write about? Would you like to go back to magazines at all? Or do you think it's time for an autobiography or a bit of a tell-all book, a bit of a Kenneth Anger maybe? I believe there's an unauthorised one being done. I don't want to talk about that. No, I wouldn't write my memoirs because they're not very pleasant. It was a very glamorous lifestyle, but there was a lot of... um, Oh, okay, I will. I can't talk about it now. Read the book. I think it's going to be called My Life, My Loves. Who's going to play you in the telly movie that comes along? I will. Badly. Who uh, else could we get? I'd love to see you playing Who young Lance badly. Get? And it doesn't even have to be a male either. You could A female in yes, drag could do it. Oh, oh, it does. Okay, sorry. It's a silly thing there. I was at the Short and Sweet Film Festival. There was one that was Lucifer was in the Garden of Eden. And I've got to say, Lucifer did bear an uncanny resemblance to a Lance Leopard. Mandrake the Magician, I used to get that a lot. <laughs> He had a cool hat. Mandrake had yeah, a hat? Mandrake I thought he had yeah, slick yeah. back He, had a, he had a top hat sometimes. He had a top hat when he was going out. And that dark dude with the leopard skin shirt. Yeah. It is late afternoon and we find Mandrake seated before the fireplace in the library of his home, the house of mystery and many secrets. And we were talking about time travel earlier because I know you're an existentialist. and you'd been What does existentialist mean? Oh, I think it just means the here and now, doesn't it? Does it? That's how I've always lived. But if you could enjoy the here and now in any other time or place in history, where would it be? Would you go to Weimar Cabaret Berlin between the wars, perhaps? Bit of Eliza Minnelli there. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. Those places were wonderful, but there was always trouble ahead of them. Oh, yeah. So I would have picked um, the good years at Versailles before they started getting angry and demanding cake. A makeup artist in those days, you'd have your own palace from all the work you'd get. 
Makeup artists aren't really remembered from movies now. They, there are many oh. books about designers and hairdressers and such. Who was your favourite makeup artist? Kevin O'Coin, because it was makeup and you could see it and it was good. And my other favourite makeup artist was most of the great female stars did themselves. Mm. Their makeup artist stood next to them and sharpened things and handed them to them. When you had to leave Sydney and you were thinking about your own mortality there, was that a very unusual time or did it come as a breath of fresh air to you? All right, that's when Elizabeth Taylor died and I drank far too much vodka and the next thing I knew, I, I don't know, I was put into a coma and I was in that for a while and I came out of that and I didn't drink or smoke or take drugs anymore because I detoxed in my little coma and you know don't try and rub people and sing little songs to people and tell them about stories when you were kids if they're in comas it's like being on 58 row hypnol so the people were trying to bring you back while doing that were they is that what they, they were trying to do well, i guess they're just trying to keep you stimulated or i don't know i just know from being on the other side that you don't know nothing the first thing I knew was when I opened my eyes and E.T. was on and it was above me. The screen was above my bed in the ICU and Jasha Gabor was on E.T. And I thought, is she dead? What am I doing here? And my friend Matthew later told me that she went into her coma on the day that I was put into mine and she came out of hers on the day that I came out of mine. So I promptly bleached my hair. And has that altered your attitude to recreational drugs? No, but it reminded me of something Shasha said that I think the gay community should take to heart about marriage. I believe every girl should marry for true love and she should keep marrying until she finds it. And how happy were you when the decision finally came down for same-sex marriage, Lance? I don't really want to make the same mistakes that people who never liked me or approved of me made. However... It's what Elizabeth would have wanted. And I'm also worried that there'll be suddenly there'll be wallflowers that nobody will be asked to marry. And, well, maybe they'll all get married. Who knows? I can only quote that line from Muriel's wedding. Who'd marry me? You've been to any uh, weddings yet, Lance, or not? No, but I went to a lovely engagement party a few weeks ago at the Marrickville Bowls Club. Yeah, Bowls Club. Yeah, yes, Bowls Club. However, you said water polo then. It was lovely. Their grandparents there and their parents, and they all gave lovely speeches. And the grandmother's speech was, I'm not really up with all of you young people's music and all that hop-hop you play. <laughs> it was darling. I thought we could always have gotten engaged. It's not illegal to have a fiancé. What would you have as your epitaph? Or if you could put something on a headstone or something, what would you like to have written or what would you like to have written about you? I'm well aware the story's nowhere near over yet. I mean, we're only on the third chapter. What if I didn't have a headstone? What about that? I have to have a headstone now, don't I? I think it would just say, Lance Leopard, 1978, 2000 and whatever. (laughs) I liked 1978. I was 11. I was old enough to have fun. What's Miss Dame Joan Collins putting on her? She had her cake and ate it too. There used to be a big thing that you put on your appetite. Betty oh, Davis is what she did it the hard way. You see, I wouldn't be so important as having something written on the tombstone, but I would insist on a marble bench so people could sit and relax when they came to visit. Um, I don't care if I have to walk the plank. Can we have three of your favourite songs? Oh, God, Come on, three. three of my favourite songs. Throw them at us. For a reason. When I was a little boy, my mother was always playing a song called If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. 
Just like an old time movie About a ghost from a wishing well You must have loved it when that was redone for the Studio 54 no, movie. Oh, yeah, hate- the best line was missing. I'll explain that in a moment. Then I met one of my best friends. She was playing Johnny Cash's version. If I could read your mind, love, what a tale your thoughts would tell. Just like a paperback novel, the kind that drugstores sell. When you reach the park, where the heartaches come, the hero would be me. And I had my heart broken at Flash's nightclub when I was 16 and in the band still on New Year's Eve. And after he did that, they played the Viola Wills 19-minute version remix of that song. So that song just keeps coming back and bothering me. The 54 version, it didn't have the I Walk Away Like a Movie Star line. You're right. Exactly. was very flawed because the whole thing was re-edited after they screened it to a test because there was a whole gay subplot that was just taken out. I've taken out gay subplots before. Editing's easy. You can edit anything. My editor taught me how to edit so he didn't have to edit me. How do you amuse yourself these days, Lance? Do you go to any job? Do you go out? and look? What do you mainly do? How do you fill your time? Well, I get invited to things and... I get dressed up and go to them if it's something that I know I'll see people from then and I enjoy that and then they make me feel guilty because I left them in the lurch. I don't drink anymore and people tell you what they want to tell you when they've been drinking. I committed a faux pas. I brought you a bottle of champagne around. I'm so sorry, Lance. I shouldn't have done that. Every refrigerator should have a bottle of champagne in it. What if you came over and I had nothing to offer you? Yeah. So now where were we then? You're talking about how people expect something of you when they see you out. It's as if they've paused their relationship with you when they last met you at Gilligan's in 1995 and now they see you in 2018 and it's like they hit the play button again and they know what they're doing, but you have no idea. Well, I just do the same thing I always did. What? Go out and dance to Physical Attraction by Madonna. What was the best 80s song we danced to the other day? Two of Hearts by Stacey Q. I need. That's the talent you had to have. She told me in an interview that's also on the website, have a look, I did an interview with her, that she was very influenced by craft work. You wouldn't have picked that, would you? Isn't that strange? 
I have a really cheap, trashy, no. one-night stand song that I've always liked, but I never hear anywhere. A cheap, trashy one-night stand to be played at home on the one-night stand, or it's about a one-night stand. It's, a, it's about one, and once you and once you hear it, you basically want to go out and have one. It's called "Action" by Pearly Gates. What are some of the lyrics? Oh, they're disgraceful. So don't delay, don't wait, or hesitate. What you have here is heaven on a plate. So if you're man enough, big and bad enough. It was the most hysterical song. Penny Clifford, I'll bet, remember. chance to spend the afternoon drinking orange cordial which i'm doing with plant leopard in his flat singing do so i highly recommend it the next song i love is not a song i'd ever hear out but i'd hear it after being out when you went back to people's places and played what you wanted and it was a pet shop boys song called it couldn't happen here and it's worth listening to again it's just about how dreadful their behavior was in some lovely house but it's also very orchestral and sweeping mind as being a very Pet Shop Boys Lance Leopard song from the very album, which is my favourite Pet Shop Boys album, Yesterday When I Was Mad, which is... I don't know that song. Oh, it's all about being given backhanded compliments after a show. The lyrics are, you really were quite fab. Of course the music was all on tape, but you sounded great. It's just that sort of thing. You have a certain quality which really is unique. Expression, there's such irony, although your voice is weak. It doesn't really matter because the music is so loud. Backhanded compliments, I think we've both had a few of them. I think they're trying to help you by giving you some sort of wake-up call when they've never set foot on a stage. I got caught giving a backhanded compliment to this person behind the performer as we were leaving a Horden. Did you like the show? And I said, it was a little lacklustre. And she turned around and said, I heard that. And I said, well, it was. And then you stepped out into the sunlight and were immediately blinded. No, I had my sunglasses on because I'd just been dancing. That's one thing to remember, people. You'd always take your sunglasses with you to the Horde and Pavilion dance well, parties and there'd be that time of night, everyone just popped them on. I used to wear mirrored ones so whoever I was dancing with could check themselves out. That doesn't um, have to be limited to dance floors either. 
Lance, I'm, I'm sorry. I've just been looking at a photo of you in a book, and you were described as entertainer, writer, gay icon. In the job interview for the job gay icon, uh, um, what sort of questions would be asked? What would you ask of someone who was auditioning or wanted the job of gay icon? Well, you don't apply for that job. It's given to you whether you want it or not. It's not a paid job either. <laughs> However, the warm wishes of your own kind is lovely. And uh, I liked it a few years ago when everyone was a gay icon. I said to Danny Minogue at a party at the Metro once, I said, your sister may be a gay icon, but you were a child star. And she went, oh, my God. The thing she said about her young town time, she's glad that she finally grew into her nose. I thought she just had it done. Here's Lance's advice for possibly Danny Minogue, who I know is no, listening. So what's your advice for Danny Minogue? Danielle, I think that you would have a major hit in and outdoor of the clubs if you did a cover of Two of Hearts by Stacey Q. It'd rock. And she'd come in and she'd do that little Laponi dance as she'd come on. It's a little pony kind of step she used to have. I see. You can see Lance is impressed with my dancing. I see. <laughs> Enough of dancing. Back to literature. Snap. He can't bear me, this man. He only put me in there because I was with a celebrity. And but what? this is a good book, if you can find it. This is Robert Rosen's book. Can't Everyone even... is in this book. Everyone. Look, there's Shasha Gabor. There's Grace Jones. There's Shirley MacLaine. There's Princess Margaret. There's David Bowie. There's me. Who am I with? Who's that girl? Sybil Shepherd. Oh, wow. She was fun. And she's got the classic 90s haircut. She was singing at the Hilton and she had a big ice sculpture that said Sybil at her party. And I'd interviewed her for the paper, but I'd faxed her a photo of me. So when she walked into the party, she went, Lance. <laughs> a few hours later, we were sitting at the bar together and the Sybil ice sculpture was melting. And she looked at it and pointed at it and said, have you ever seen anything more depressing in your life? And I said, I've never had a nice sculpture. You're just a selfish bitch because <laughs> we were just being dreadful together. And that's why you're so welcome and beloved by the Sydney community, Lance. Who is the Sydney community now? Well, there's only three of them. Who are they? And they go to bed by 10 o'clock, so we don't know who they are. It seems to be everything happens in the afternoon into the early evening now. You had that ability to make a VIP area where none previously exists. But you have to. Without use of velvet rope either. I had to do it when I was doing a night somewhere and VIPs would turn up and well, they assume that they sit somewhere different. And now that everyone's a VIP, it doesn't really matter. Thank you for sharing some time with me this Thank afternoon. You for to is, is there anything you wish to impart to the world that we need to know? Well, actually, we're all about everyday tips. For those men and women going out there with the makeup there, what's a good simple makeup tip that you can give to people? What do people do wrong or what's something that they could do every day that will help the way they look, Lance? Don't sleep in the subway, darling. You try to be smart, then you take it to heart. Cause it hurts when your ego is deflated. Ooh, you don't realize that it's all compromise. And the problems are so overrated. Yeah.
I've never been to a club on Oxford Street. <laughs> I think Lance and I need to have some more orange cordial and do some <laughs> dancing. Talk to you later, everybody, on maynard.com.au. AU! Bryson and Hume. Everything digital.